gentlemen, welcome to the first annual Bad Hops Baseball Awards. Tonight, Mark and Jackie will do a deep dive into the biggest stories and biggest clunkers in this year's baseball season. But first, we want to see what everyone's doing on the red carpet tonight. Mark, what are you wearing? Who, or I should say, who are you wearing? Or maybe I should ask, what are you wearing? What are you wearing and who are you wearing? Or you can start with the very simple question, Jackie. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Mark Butler, one of the hosts of Bad Hops, and we're out on the red carpet outside of Tropicana Field in Tampa, Florida, where there is literally nothing happening at this point in the season. Oops. But yes, I am wearing Kevin Martinez from the uh, Turn Forward the Clock collection. Kevin Martinez, a throwback to an earlier episode, because we'll get that in even before we do the intro this time, right? Kevin Martinez helped design, the instead of a retro uniform for the Mariners, Mm -hmm. he designed a future one. So I decided I would go for a silver LeMay tuxedo. I also have some fancy Kenneth Cole shoes that Ken Griffey Jr. helped me spray paint silver to go with the the tradition of airbrushing the sneakers. Uh, Also a jetpack because it's it's the future. And so uh, I figure at some point when I need to bail out on this award ceremony, I will, uh, I'll just (laughs) turn it on and see what happens. All right. Well, good luck with that. Well, thank you. I also have to return the favor and ask you, who are you wearing? Well, I'm going a little retro this evening, Mark. So my gown is made entirely of old tickets to baseball games. Remember tickets, paper tickets? Oh, those were the best. You could actually have a souvenir of something that you did and look back fondly on it rather than flip through your phone and say, did we go to a game? I don't remember. Let me delete this from my Apple wallet. It's been in here too too many months. Yes, so that's what I'm wearing. I'm wearing old tickets. For my shoes, now, they are a pair of Manolo Blahniks, but I wanted to make them special. So D.D. Gregorius has done his best. He's come out of retirement. He's bedazzled and bedecked my shoes with little Bad Hops logos all over them. Well, that is very fancy. And you say come out of retirement, but he's really not doing anything. Yeah, I don't know if he's officially retired. That's true. That's true. I don't know if he's officially retired. Just just hanging out, doodling his best doodles. He is doodling his best doodles. And of course, around my neck, I am wearing, I mean, these are the hottest, hottest necklaces that all the players are wearing. Yes, it's the Pollyanna necklace by Paw Grips by former player, and he is a former player, Milton Ramos. You've seen them on all the players' necks. They look like they're kind of like reject necklaces from the from Swifties, right? Not quite as not quite as exciting as the Swifties. Although mine, I, I went for a little bit more bling. We've got the bad hops colors on it. Who would have thought paw grips, necklaces, hot trend. I'd like to say you wear it well, Jackie, but is that possible? I don't well, I wear it as well as anyone can. I think I look better than Bryce Harper does in his. Well, again, you're selling yourself short here, but sure. I also like that American flag sleeve that you have on under your ticket dress. Thank you. Thank you. You need to have the American flag sleeve because you want to show your patriotism as much as possible. Well, we're out here in the parking lot and we have not seen any cars pull up. We've not seen anyone else for this red carpet show. We, We were hoping that maybe Fred McGriff might come, but apparently he has an engagement as the crime dog at a school assembly somewhere in St. Petersburg. So he, mm-hmm. he may be by later. 
I don't know if there's any other notable Tampa resident. Is Derek Jeter going to come uh, possibly? You know, I think he's busy doing the postseason with Big Poppy and Alex Rodriguez, who I thought was a shoe in. I mean, what? Could, I mean, he's just doing those gum disease commercials now. Wow, I did not know that. You haven't seen them? Oh, they are a thing of beauty. You really? There, there's something special. I mean, gum disease is a thing of beauty. So, it, I, I, I guess mean, that's... you know, gum disease is no joke. But I don't know why gum disease decided to have a Rod be their spokesperson. <laughs> well, A-Rod, if you are listening to this and you can pull up in your convertible, we will interview you and you can talk about gingivitis all you want. That's our bad hops promise to you. Awesome. Well, Mark, since we're standing out here and it's 89% humidity with uh, looks like the chance of a tropical storm coming in, do you think we should start? We should get inside and start? Given that you're wearing a dress made of paper and I'm wearing a very heavy plasticky rayon y silver thing. Yeah, let's go inside. Let's go and, inside. Let's and get let's this thing started. Welcome everyone to the first Bad Hops Award Ceremony, the Hoppies. This is the Bad Hops Podcast, a baseball podcast where we discuss everything but the box score. So if you're looking for Oscar Gamble's Lifetime Achievements or Tony LaRusso's Greatest Dramas, this is not the place. But if you want to know why no one has ever won a Golden Globe and a Gold Glove, welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Mark Butler. And I'm Jackie McCucci. And today it's our first ever award show. Welcome to Bad Hops. Mark, you've changed out of your your suit. You've no more gold lame for you. We're we're down to business now. You got to get into the just the regular talks. You want to be comfortable. Well, actually, I decided I would change into my Brooklyn Bridegrooms jersey mm. from uh, 1896 from the All Black collection. So I figured that's a, a you know it's a, a classy look, kind of a goth emo sort of vibe, and and uh, just wanted to represent the old timey stuff because. It's going to be a little hard to do in an episode that takes place entirely in the 2023 season. I might try to throw it back somewhere, but this is au courant, I guess, like all fashion. I have faith in you to bring old timiness even into an episode that's firmly embedded in 2023. Well, we will be talking about some hoary old franchises that we have nothing nice to say about. So we'll at least kick it back to 60s, 70s. 1500s. I don't know. We'll we'll see yeah. what we can do today. Okay. But yeah, we are excited. We have gone through the whole season of the 2023 season, which is I don't know. You want to give an award to this season? Was it? It was. It was okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was fine. I think there were some good stories. I mean, if you were a fan of certain teams that we're going to talk about, it probably wasn't the most fun season. But hey, if you were an Orioles fan or a Braves fan, I think you were having a blast most of the season. And if you're an Expos fan or an A's fan, I'm sorry. It's not getting any better. My condolences. Should we give out our first award? This is, a, you know, I, I feel like we've got so many things to go through. Why don't we dig into it? Let's do it. I was thinking we had a category for the rise of the undead. These were teams that surprised us. I'm going to throw out my nominees. And if you've got anything to add, Jackie, that would be great. Um, and, and then we can just decide. There were some teams that we had left for dead. 
And the Chicago Cubs had really no prospects. The Arizona Diamondbacks, who we've made fun of earlier in this season. Especially you. Especially me. Especially you. I stand corrected. And the Baltimore Orioles, who I think we had suspected would be good someday. That someday was April of 2023. It was. I think we were not expecting the Orioles to do that much this season. I think we were expecting them to put on a, a put in a good run, but not quite the run that the, that they've put in where they are actually uh, in the postseason, at least for the moment. <laughs> Yes. So we are recording this during the postseason. By the time you hear it, a victor will have been declared for the World Series. And it's probably not who you think it's going to be, although it probably is. It probably is. If you pick the Kansas City Chiefs, then you must just really be thinking about Taylor Swift more than we are. Uh, Taylor Swift, by the time, honestly, by the time this episode comes out, she'll probably have moved on to, I don't know, a tennis player. Ooh, ouch possible <laughs> but, not a, but uh, not a baseball player i think the other team i'd like to bring up in the rise of the undead is the texas rangers uh uh-huh, we'll talk yep. a little bit more about them as well because they were uh the past two seasons they won 60 some odd games each season and now look at them could go all the way absolutely the, that is a team that it feels like they invested in their future a little more heavily than the ones that we've mentioned. I, I, I think uh, especially the D-backs and the Orioles were teams that planted seeds and cultivated their garden carefully, whereas I feel like the Rangers kind of went for it a little bit more this season. Yeah, so the Rise of the Undead Award, who who are you going to give it to? We we actually have two trophies here, so if uh, if if we each choose one, then we, we give away two pieces of hardware. I think I'm going to go with the Arizona Diamondbacks because they really have been pretty darn terrible for quite some time. And right now we are watching them make mincemeat out of their opponents. And at the moment, that would be the Dodgers. And at some point it'll be the Astros. Let's so hope so. D-backs in four, predicting it now, proven wrong any second now. Sorry that that Orioles bet is probably not going to pan out for you, but hey, it almost did. I am going to go with the Baltimore Orioles because they came out of the gate hot and they stayed that way. Although I've been mightily impressed with the Diamondbacks this season. I think the Orioles have had the toughest division to play in. Traditionally, the Orioles, if they're picked to finish fifth out of five in the AL East, there's no shame in that game, right? There's Mm -hmm. so many tough teams. The Rays the Jays, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. And invariably, three of those teams are really darn good, um, and sometimes four. And this year... It was three, although I think none of those three are going to be left standing when we start to get to the actual championship. So we're talking about the Rays, Jays, and Birds, as in the Orioles. Does anyone refer to the Jays as the Birds? Because I always... uh, The Orioles will sometimes be referred to as the Birds, but... I refer to them as les oiseaux, but that's just me. (laughs) That's true, but they are in Toronto, so. I like what I'm seeing from the Orioles. I do think that they've got the ability to to hang around for three or four years. Adley Rushman, the catcher, is amazing. Gunnar Henderson, the infielder, looks great. I think they can beef up their pitching. Name a team that can't beef up their pitching, right? Like, that, that, I think, was a big problem for your Yankees this season, right? Oh, there are a lot of 
Oh, we well, we can get to that. But I think that, I think we have another award uh, that, the, that the Yankees are in strong contention for. So we'll we'll save that discussion. The D-backs, though, also I think will be around for a while too. And I I don't know. I think maybe the Cubs as well. Maybe I mean Corbin Carroll. We we and we need to mention him because I mean he's probably going to be Rookie of the Year. Yes, Corbin Carroll. I will point out is the only Diamondback that I said a nice thing about in the early part of this season. While trashing <laughs> trashing the, the franchise the relentlessly. Let's call it a tie. You have the D-backs winning the Rise of the Undead, and I have the Orioles. And yeah, we'll we'll see how the season ends up. Chances are it's gonna be tough for either of them to go all the way, but we, we shall see. You never know, especially because this is these these teams, you know, their first playoff run in, in a while. The Diamondbacks have done a good job of bringing in some some veteran presence uh, in the middle of a, a young team. Never hurts to have a Marte on your team. It really doesn't. Well, I've got an award that I want to give out because generally in the postseason, the Roy Award is given out. And I'm always confused. As much as I pay attention to baseball, whenever I see MLB to announce Roy, like, okay, Roy. So, and of course... Roy really stands for Rookie of the Year, but that doesn't stop me from being dumb and working the Roy idea into the ground. And so I'm going to give out an award to the best Roy. Now, previous winners include Troy Mm -hmm. Tulowitzki, Roy Campanella, and the Kansas City Royals. But this year, my semifinalists are Royce Lewis from the Minnesota Twins and Christian Arroyo from the Boston Red Sox. Now, both are infielders. And that's about where the comparison ends. Christian Arroyo hit 241. He was DFA'd by the Red Sox and I think is currently unemployed. Royce Lewis is hitting 309 and has taken the Twins to the playoffs and looks like the real deal. So the real Roy award this season goes to Royce Lewis. Very nice, Mark. Very nice. go into the MVP. MVP right, is usually most valuable player. But you know that V were were bad hops. That V could stand for for just about anything. Vegan. So vegan. I am not giving the most vegan player. I have no idea who is the most vegan player these days. Not something I've I've dove into, but I'm sure that uh there there are some vegan players out there. Was Prince, was it Prince Fielder who was a vegan? I think Prince Fielder might have been a vegan. Yeah. Uh, I think we just, we read a story this season uh, about a, a player that keeps kosher. We did. Uh, we did. And, and so cool. um, I think that is probably about as challenging tactically as it would be to, to uh, keep vegan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that, wait till season three of Bad Hops and we will spend a whole episode talking about vegan baseball players. I bet you can't wait. I digress. But you digress. It's true. You digress. So MVP. So I think this guy can fit under a few things. Villainous, volatile, maybe valueless. And you're going to say when you when I say his name, you're going to be like, but Jackie, I, this guy, is a, he's a good pitcher. And I'm talking about Josh Hader. And why no. am I bringing up Josh Hader? Because Josh Hader will not pitch more than three outs in a game. And he has not done that since... 2020. He, he has not pitched three outs in a regular season game since 2020. And yet the Padres traded for him, 
knowing this and knowing that he will only pitch one inning. That is it. He is a one inning pitcher. So for me, I think how much value does a one inning pitcher have? Yes, we know of the Yankees of the 90s without a good closer, without a Mariano Rivera, you don't win all those World Series. However, pretty sure Mariano Rivera got more than than, uh, one inning every now and then. Pretty sure he didn't throw himself on the floor and carry on and say, absolutely not. I will not pitch an extra inning. I do not care that the bullpen is totally and completely tanked. I don't care that you guys have a bunch of injuries there. I have to worry about myself. I am paraphrasing, paraphrasing here, but he has actually said that. He has been absolutely dominant. There is no mistakes there. He posted a 1.19 ERA across 53 innings this season. But, hey, he basically said when the Padres needed him, when they're late in the season, their bullpen is tanked, and they're pretty much out of it. He basically said, are we in a playoff race? No, I don't think so. Therefore, I am not pitching. And, you know, I I get some of his concerns, right? Because yeah, these guys throw very hard, very fast. They burn out very quickly, but honestly, wow. Imagine being paid just to show up every few days and throw, I don't know, 20 pitches for one inning. That's pretty incredible. I don't know how much value and and he's Padres are probably going to give up on him and he's probably going to sign somewhere, but honestly, I don't know. It's a team sport. Sorry, Jackie. I was not paying attention to you. I had to, I, I was taking a call, and I apologize. But uh, a friend of the show, Taylor, called in, yeah. and she just wanted to add to what you were saying that haters gonna hate, 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 hate. <laughs> I was thinking of giving him just the uh, the haters gonna hate award, but I figured he fit in there. He's got he's got a few a few V words there that that he definitely uh, describe him. Now, I was thinking about the heartache that Milwaukee had because they wouldn't. That's yeah, where they had Hater. That's, that's where Hater was the closer and he was the superstar. Some fans quickly viewed him as the franchise. Yeah. And, and he was so dynamic. And I think he still got the same stuff. I mean, he, he really has kept it together. But Milwaukee traded him and fans lost their mind. They said, this is our guy. What, what are you doing? And I think it's just a good reminder that closers are a special breed and a dime a dozen. Yeah, it's especially really, now. It's really complex how you can just plug somebody into that role and then like a, a year later essentially say, well, he's our seventh inning guy now. Right. Or in, in the middle of playoff contention, the Mariners traded Paul Seawald to the Diamondbacks, which was That's a right. huge upgrade for the D-backs, not a huge, uh, well, I guess the, the Mariners got something in exchange. But it's like to they literally got a few guys, they got Dom Canzone <laughs> ah, from your all Italian team, my all Italian team. Sadly, I did not build an all Italian team, but maybe next year. Uh, well, you can put Nikki Lopez on it next time. All right. Yeah, I think you can plug somebody into that position a lot more easily than it, it feels like that you used to. So good luck, San Diego or good luck, Josh Hader, because I think you're maybe too much of a specialist in, as you said, Jackie, in a, in a team sport. In a team sport. I mean, that's the thing, right? Because a lot of these guys, you'll get, I mean, especially when, when things are, are rough, like you'll, you'll get a lot of guys like, yeah, you need, you'll get starters who are like, Hey, you need me to come in for this game. We down arms. Like, you know, these guys are usually they're, they're willing to 
no pun intended, pitch in when help is needed. But to outwardly be like, no, I'm one inning guy, not pitching more than that. I don't know. I did not look. I'm assuming, has he in the postseason pitched more than an inning? I mean, because it's said here that basically he won't do it in a regular season. So I'm not sure if that if that means that he's got different rules for the postseason. I do recall a couple two-inning outings for the Brewers, but that was, that was a while ago. And so mm-hmm. maybe... And maybe he recognizes his limitations. Maybe he knows he can go all in for 12 pitches. And then beyond that, it's like, ooh, I don't really, yeah. Or if you have to come back out, you let your arm get cold. I, I get it. Right. But also, if your manager and if your team is counting on you, you got to figure out a way. Make it work. I second that for you. For So for our most volatile, villainous, vivacious, vocal, <laughs> and vehement player, it's Josh Hader. So this is something we talk about a lot too. This is a throwback to literally every episode of Bad Hops. This is this might be the 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 first umbrella throwback. There is a certain contingent that claim that they're the best fans in baseball. Really? I, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard of them. Is there yeah. is there really a group? Is it has it been trademarked? It's called St. Louis, Missouri. Ever heard of uh, it? Oh, the Browns, yeah. There you go, Mark. I got you in an old timey reference. Thank you. 1951, the St. Louis Browns, the best fans in baseball walking to the game because no cars existed in the 50s 1850s okay thank you that's more like it you apparently did not get the telegram that i sent you i didn't was it mimeographed it was mimeographed i think it's time to crown a new best fans in baseball or or really to crown it for the first time as opposed to the self-appointed nonsense that st louis seems to think that they have the best fans Hmm. To be fair, they're still in contention. They, they're they one of 30 fan bases. I'm just going to go ahead and throw a spoiler in. They're not going to win because the, this is rigged. I'm going to nominate uh, two teams and feel free to jump in with any okay. of the other best fans in baseball. And if you want to stick up for St. Louis, I will edit that out of the the, yeah, the episode. Particular need to, particularly need to do that. I actually can, would like to hear you Give me your best fake speech on why St. Louis has the best fans. (laughs) Sorry. That's another callback. That's a callback. I have two criteria here. I'm just going to throw them out. Number one, kind of pains me to do this one, but the Phillies might have the best fans in baseball in 2023. Now, Philadelphia fans our piece of work. And if we're worried about Taylor Swift fans coming after us, I'm way more worried about Philadelphia sports fans throwing it's batteries to- at us. It's a toss up. I don't know if Swifties would throw batteries. They, they throw those, those uh, bracelets that they, they have at us. Yeah. They're going to have gritty come do sexy stuff to you. So yeah, best, best. Let's say something nice about Philadelphia. You guys say that for your only fans. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked to learn that the Phillies' attendance this season is up by 10,000 people per game this season. So MLB is having a little bit of a renaissance. I think post-COVID, people are ready to go back to the ballpark. But I did not realize that Philadelphia is bringing that many people in. Now, of course, they have a great team this year. I hate to admit that, too, because I'm generally not fond of the Phillies. But they're doing it. They're getting it done. So, yeah, if... All of a sudden, 10,000 more Pennsylvania residents are going to a game. I'm going to say that they've got a fan base that's to be reckoned with. 
Now, I also got to say, my favorite fan base personally, Milwaukee Brewers. Tailgate parties, people showing up for games when the games count. Now, maybe that's why Josh Hader got traded. It's just fun. It is a happy place to be by the time we all sing Roll Out the Barrel in the seventh inning stretch. It doesn't matter. We could like literally sing MacArthur Park and people would have a good time. I would well, have I would, a better, I would, better time. I, some team needs to do that. Yeah, all seven minutes of it. Please. That's right. The new team the new team in Vegas. Oh. Oops. Oops. <laughs> too soon. Sorry. Te- technically too soon. So those are my nominees. Do you have anybody else you want to add to the best fans in baseball? I've got a, a sleeper one, and I'm going to put it in, in, in here. And that's the Oakland Athletics. Because ah, those fans, yeah. those fans have been showing up. They've been given a lot of crap, um, and as not they've been in that the ownership has given them a lot of crap. They have made it be known that they love this team. They have, you know, they have the guys that play play the drums. They they show up all the time. It is by far one of I I haven't been there personally like you you have, but I've seen it from from afar. It's probably one of the worst atmospheres as far as with the ballpark, uh, the people who own the ballpark too, which is basically nothing. But the fan base itself, they they stuck, they stuck there. They stuck with their team. It's their team. They're being done dirty. I think it's kind of a, a travesty that what's going on in Oakland. So I think that if you are that loyal to a team when ownership just really does not care about you. I, I I give you major props for for showing up. I realize that they don't have a huge attendance, but the fact that they have an attendance that's certainly better than the Rays and the product, the on-field product is not so good, not so great, and yet they still have better attendance. Says a lot. When I found the stat about the Phillies being up 10,000 people per game, uh, we know that no one's going to Oakland games um, in general. And even Oakland attendance was up this season. And, and you're right, Jackie, you've convinced me. Worst ballpark in the Major League Baseball, possibly the worst team, uh, except maybe the Kansas City Royals this year. Yeah, but people do show up. They do care. These folks are dying out there. Um, yeah. they're, they're bleeding green and gold, and they're leaving it all out there. And I don't even know if they get to go to another game at this point. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. St. Louis, deal with it. Go to therapy. Oakland Athletics, best fans in baseball. Best fans in baseball. When you show up and your team is that bad, that takes that takes a lot of dedication. I mean, it's yeah. really easy to show up when your team is doing well. Really easy. The fact that they, they have any fans at that ballpark is just blows me away at this point. They have only fans. They have only And that too. That's what they're going to use the Coliseum for um, in 2025. It's just, uh, yeah. Cool, cool. Sorry, any kids listening to this. You don't know what that is. Not at this point. I am going to jump in with one that I created specifically because I wanted to tell this story, and that's Best Entrance. And by entrance, I don't mean walk-up music. I mean coming into the... Like a door? Yes, exactly. Like a door. <laughs> I mean, coming to your new team, entering the locker room for the first time. And that award goes to Josh Donaldson when he joined the Milwaukee Brewers after he was let go by the New York Yankees. 
As you know, Josh Donaldson is not a warm and cuddly guy. He's played for six different teams since 2018. But when he joined the Brewers later in the season, a story was told by Brewers first baseman Rowdy Talese. He actually played with Donaldson uh, on the Blue Jays, in 2018. So he told this story about when Josh Donaldson first enters the Brewers clubhouse. He says he came in the clubhouse and walked straight by. And I was like, Hey, along with a couple of other words after that, when you walk in the clubhouse, you introduce yourself to your new teammates. Talese told this story to foul territory, by the way, Josh Donaldson's response was everybody knows who I am. <laughs> Rowdy then says to him, I was like, yeah, hey, and when you see a former teammate, you say, what's up? And he was like, hey, are you on the seafood diet? And I was like, yeah, good one. Seafood, eat food. Beat you beat you to it. F off. So there you go. <laughs> Josh Donaldson entering the Brewers Clubhouse for the first time, sees a former teammate, acts like the jerkwad he is. Best entrance. I can't top that, although I did see some cool doors. I think um, Rowdy kind of pulled back a little bit from the story. He, you know, kind of like said, oh, you know, and then he started to play around with guys and he kind of walked it back a bit and that Donaldson, you know, was a little bit, a little bit more welcoming and saying hello. But yeah, uh, I think that story speaks for itself. It doesn't sound like it's exaggerated having watched Josh Donaldson on the field. So Josh Donaldson, invite him to your next party. Yeah. Josh Donaldson, Mr. Unrealized Potential. I really thought he was going to be all that at one point, but um, yeah, I guess uh, six teams later. No, no. So I mean, he can still play the field, but you know, he is also, he's, he's, he is approaching the big four. Oh, not a good age to be when you're a baseball player. We'll be giving out the awards for best trade and worst trade on bad hops. The hoppies. We are back. We're going to give out some more awards and we're going to talk about trades, Mark. What you got? You want to talk about best or worst trade first? Which one? Well, we were we were going to have uh, Pete Rose present these awards, but uh, he wanted uh, $2,000 in cash. And, and so it's just going to be you and me uh, on okay. this one. Maybe we'll do like a GoFundMe or something and see if we can get Pete for, for next season. Yeah, let's start with best trade. I always like giving the good news and then the bad news. My nominee... For this one, I, I think really is a win-win. It was engineered by one of my heroes in the front office, which is Kim Eng, the GM for the Marlins. So she managed to acquire last year's AL batting champion, Luis Arias, in exchange for a pitcher named Pablo Lopez and sent Lopez to the Twins in exchange. So what Kim got this year was the NL batting champion, Luis Arias. <laughs> and she got the Marlins into the playoffs, which d didn't look like it was going to happen. And I think on the last no, day of the season, really you did. and I were sort of like, I can't believe the fish are doing it. But they got in. They have a decent team, maybe not a world-beating team, as we can now safely say they have been eliminated. Sure. I thought it was kind of a one-sided deal to give up a batting champion but it turned out to be a win-win. Pablo Lopez has been a great pitcher for the Twins, who also got into the postseason for sure. as the division champion in the AL Central, which is admittedly you and I had a chance of winning the AL Central 
with just a, a, a two-person team. No offense, oh, Tigers. But seriously. I love a win-win trade. I don't I don't love those ones where it's sort of like you give up the franchise to get like one guy and then that one guy doesn't pan out. It always feels like somebody gets stiffed. So this was a I think this was a, a very sweet deal for both teams involved. So that's my nominee for best trade. I've got a couple that I thought were good trades. And one of them involves our favorite team, St. Louis. And they traded Jordan Montgomery to the Texas Rangers. I am remiss. I did not look up who uh, St. Louis got for Jordan Montgomery because I was thinking of this as a win for Texas. So Jordan Montgomery was kind of eh with St. Louis. His ERA was a 3.42. So he was okay. He's a lefty. So, you know, I definitely, you know, you see value. But when he got to Texas, he I mean, he dropped down to a 2.79 ERA, and he is one of the reasons they're doing they did so well, and one of the reasons they're winning in the playoffs right now. I'm really happy to see Jordan Montgomery, also known as Gumby, is his nickname, nice. uh, doing well, doing well, and looking like he's going to help the, the Rangers go for a deep run in the playoffs. I think it was a really good deal for Texas. I think Again, when we look about the, the talk about the turnaround for Texas, them having only won 60 some odd games the past couple of seasons. And we knew they had the bats, right? We knew that. And it kind of harkened back to the days, right? When they, they signed Alex Rodriguez and it's like, oh, they signed Alex Rodriguez, but he can't pitch. Well, the Rangers this time around know they need pitching and they brought in some arms at the deadline. I know they brought in Max Scherzer and that hasn't really, he's been injured and that hasn't really worked out for them, but Jordan Montgomery, a good lefty in that rotation. I thought that was a great, a great pick for them and it might help them go all the way possibly at least to the world series. Love to see them get past Astros. That's for sure. Well, I'm in favor of that. So, well, those are two really good trades. I don't know. Do you, did, uh, you, did I sway you or did you sway me? I mean, it's tough. I think that Texas is way more loaded than the Marlins, but I think that the fact that the Marlins got there was a big deal. I think Texas, well, were we expecting them? But by the end of the season, we were expecting good things from Texas because it was a three-way race, right? Texas, Houston, and the Mariners, sorry. <laughs> Well, and, and honestly, the Mariners weren't in that conversation for half the season, too. So it was really an all-Texas AL West for a while. For a little bit. For a little bit. I mean, it would have been nice to see the Mariners make more of a show of it. They, As I said, they got hot too early, got hot maybe a month too early. I mean, you know, they did sweep the Astros in a series. They did hold on to first place for a little while. But once again, always the bridesmaid, never the bride for Mariners. But I'm digressing yeah. again. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with your trade, Mark, mainly because I think it's it, it was an interesting trade and a, a rare win win. Uh, yeah. I, I think the fact that you couldn't name the other party in the Jordan Montgomery trade. I mean, I, I'm but, sure it was maybe a prospect because St. Louis yeah. was just so woeful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I I kept calling it the Arias trade until about mid-season then I became fully aware who Pablo Lopez was and I was like, dang, okay, everybody came out on top on this one. Well, we did best trade, worst trade. This could be all night long because that's all baseball people do is pick apart trades. It's true. But I want to nominate because we need to talk about you-know-who, the New York Mets. 
Ah, okay. You remember the New York Mets? You remember the remember them? Remember yeah, they were going to go all the way. They, they were, were they were the they were they were guaranteed to go all the way because they spent like two hundred million dollars in the off season. They did to go all the way, and they got Max Scherzer, which was a big deal. They got Justin Verlander, which was a big deal, and by July, they traded Max Scherzer to the Rangers, and then they traded Justin Verlander to the Astros. And ultimately, because, you know, this award shows nothing but a case study in integrity, we have to only give the award to one trade. So I'm going to nominate the Verlander trade for t- because the Astros sent two minor league outfielders and cash considerations to the Mets to basically get Justin Verlander for free. Okay, I think that's good, but I mean... It's a, dismant- a dismantling of the Mets, too. So it's really it a is metaphor a dismantling. as much as a bad trade. For sure, for sure. My worst trade, or a number of trades, it's basically all the trades the Padres made. So the Padres made a lot of trades at the, at the deadline, right? Because they were sort of in it, like they were close-ish to maybe making a playoff spot. So they got Rich Hill from Pittsburgh, Jinmen Cho from, from Pittsburgh, as well. Garrett Cooper from Miami, Sean Reynolds from Miami, Scott and Scott Barlow from Kansas City. So they got a bunch of stuff in there. And Rich some Hill. Big, big name stars there. Yeah, Rich yeah, Hill, yeah. who's uh, Rich Hill, 40, who's like who's 56. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know why they bothered. So I think the Padres are an interesting anomaly because I I've watched a number of Padres games because I they have a number of players like Manny Machado that I really enjoy watching play. I don't know why they're not good. Like, I don't understand why they're they're mediocre. I mean, obviously, injuries play a part to a degree. I don't also know why they went for it with that type. Like, I named, right, those names that I named, they're not difference makers. I don't know what yeah. the Padres could have done to push the needle a little bit. This obviously wasn't it. So I'm going with the pod, all the moves the Padres made at the trade deadline. I'm going to go with you on this one because... Yes. the I mean, the Mets basically wanted to unload Verlander's contract, which was astronomical yeah. for a really good old dude. Right. But the fact that every name after Rich Hill that you named was mm-hmm. like a, should I, oh, should I know who that is <laughs> kind of name? That's not going to tip you towards the World Series. And uh, spoiler, it didn't. So, yeah, that that is a perplexing one. So yeah, worst trade, the Padres suite of trades. Suite of trades. Suite of trades for pretty much no reason. I mean, they could have been like the Yankees and done nothing and had the same outcome. I don't know who they trade. I don't think they traded anything major for any of these pieces. By the end of the trade deadline period, the charitable way to describe the Padres situation is they had not yet been eliminated. It took them a while to get eliminated, but it took everybody. I I would say it took the majority, not all, but it took the majority of teams because of that third wild card spot to get eliminated. And it made the trade deadline kind of interesting because teams were trying to see if they could do it. I'm talking to you. Angels didn't happen, but uh, we probably could have brought them up as well. Uh, The the trades that they made and then putting everyone on on, uh, waivers out. (laughs) 
<laughs> after the trade deadline. I, that, that was, I thought about that too. The, the angels were just so woeful that I, it wasn't, but, but the Padres, they are a conundrum to me. I do not get why this team is so mediocre. Well, speaking of the Anaheim of Los Angeles of California of Orange County team, why don't we go ahead and jump to the award for worst storyline, something that got overhyped and didn't deliver. Okay. And I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and nominate the Angels in general, because this was supposed to be the Angels year. According to the Angels, apparently, they had the greatest player in Major League Baseball. So that's a good start. Shohei Otani was once again lights out in terms of pitching, lights out in terms of hitting. He was technically in consideration for the Triple Crown at one point this season. He was doing it all. He was. The rest of the team never caught fire. Mike Trout got hurt, which I think we are now starting to see. I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. I don't know if Mike Trout's going to be a Hall of Famer at this point at his current injury rate. I, I think he will be. He's a fan favorite and much beloved in the face of the game and and things like that. But if he's only going to play half seasons from here on out, that the numbers just aren't ever going to get up there like the, the big boys. And so... We heard it was going to be the Angels here, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, Otani's contract is up, so the Angels are going to trade him. So that's another storyline that mm -hmm. didn't materialize. And the Angels decided, even though they were limping along in third place in the AL West, and they were ahead of the Mariners for, you know, little, little patches here and there, that instead of trading the greatest player in baseball, which would have admittedly been really hard. I don't, I, I think ultimately most GMs admitted they, they didn't, they couldn't possibly offer a package to trade for Otani as a, no. as a rental player. And then he ended up getting hurt. So that settled that, but the angels made a lot of trades to try to stay in it. And they got Lucas Giolito from the White Sox. They got Randall Grichuk. They got Hunter Renfro. They got a couple of other guys. I, uh, I think Eduardo Escobar. Uh, and then they ended up cutting most of those guys six weeks later, which is just nuts. It's like, hey, we're going to give up prospects, and then we're just going to cut guys. I think the Angels are the worst storyline of the year, but I'm interested if, you, if there's one that you hate more than that. Um, that's really funny because I, that was definitely going to be my pick as the worst storyline, but then I, I went in a different direction and, uh, I went with the new rules, specifically the, the pitch clock and just the focus on it in the beginning of the season, how everyone, I know you're going to talk about one of these, new, one of these differences, everyone was up in arms. Everyone was just, you know, this, this is annoying. I can't believe we're doing this. Pitchers were still getting used to it. And then just like anything else, it fades away. It gets folded in. You fold in that cheese, right? <laughs> you got to fold it in. And it wasn't really a storyline anymore. And yeah, it comes up for every now and then. But we heard so much about it. And I get it. Like, we wanted to learn about the new rules. And, and it's nice that they're working. The games are definitely much crisper. It's great to see a lot more running. I think the... New rules made the game a lot more interesting, especially it made it faster. People are faster on the bases. But 
the way it was talked about in the beginning of the season was very tiresome and I'm glad it kind of just faded into the distance. So I don't know. I, I still might go with, with the angels just because my God, this is a team that, and I get, and I understand that Mike Trout has, was injured this year as has been often the case, but this is a team that had arguably the two greatest players in baseball at, at, in, in this generation yep. of baseball. And Absolutely. they haven't even sniffed the playoffs. They haven't even made a the wild card spot again. Always a bride made never a bride. Yeah, Mike Trout has played in three playoff games. I think I looked that up once upon a time. Uh, Shohei Otani played in zero. Yeah. Let's go with the Angels. We are going to talk about the new rules in a little bit as well, because we did have a an entire episode because we bought into the hype as well. That would be we the did. new to thee in 23 episode. Jackie, we've done the worst storyline, and congratulations, Angels. You've been a huge disappointment <laughs> once again. I think it's only fair to counterbalance and do the best storyline. I am going to say, in retrospect, now, admittedly, we're acting like the season's over by the time you hear this. It's still technically, there could be some charmers that might still pop up, some, okay. some dark horses. But I think in retrospect, this season peaked early for me. The best storyline to me this year was the World Baseball Classic. Interesting. Okay. Ironically, the people who we just bagged on for being part of the worst storyline are also part of the best storyline because, oh my God, that Shohei Otani facing Mike Trout in the final at bat of Japan versus the United States, you couldn't script that better. That was a moment Oh my God, like I could not believe that's how it came down. Now, also, there were so many great moments. The Japanese team was great. Many of the Latin American teams also looked like they had a shot. The United States, strong as always, but not a lock. So there was a lot of unpredictability and and a, a lot of charm to the World Baseball Classic this year. It's something I've not always been into but this year, it, it felt like it had it all. And, and then the regular season started. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. Um, I'm kind of all hyped. And now we're kind of in this, like, rain delay theater once again. <laughs> Some of the best storylines, I think, involve teams that we talked about, like like the Orioles and the Diamondbacks, becoming relevant again and so relevant that they're actually in the, in the uh, playoffs right now. But I, I'm going to bring I'm going to bring in something that a lot of people have mixed feelings about, and I'm going to talk about the All Star Game because it was here in Seattle, and not so much about the All Star Game itself, but just about how the playoff starved city of Seattle baseball fans really embraced the All-Star game and all the festivities around it and just how Julio Rodriguez was such a great ambassador and he's just been an amazing fan favorite. The city has embraced him big time. And do you know that he also dates one of the uh one of the rain players, one of the uh our soccer team, uh female soccer team players. I, I don't I, I don't call her name, but yeah, he he uh, dates one dates an athlete. Sort of a no more and Mia sort of uh scenario a then. Okay. A little bit. So yeah, I mean, I think it was a sweet story because I do think every, there was a lot of excitement in town. So many people I know were at various games and festivities, including ourselves. We enjoyed the Futures game. 
And also it was fun to listen to the Seattle fans just showing so much love to Otani and chanting, come to Seattle. Come and, to Seattle, come to Seattle. You yep. know, so I think, I think that was one of the, if not the best, one of the better stories in all of baseball this year. Does the fact that Jojo Siwa is part of your best storyline, does that change anything? I don't think the celebrity softball game should factor into anything that we talk about this year, last year, or the coming year. Honestly, that is the one thing that that celebrity softball game, I really wish they would put that one to bed. They should actually get rid of that and do like a skills game, like maybe a fielding skills, even an exhibition would be so much more interesting than watching these. And I'm doing the air quotes thing. Celebrities play softball. I mean, I get it. You see some of your favorite hometown celebrities, but in general, it's a snooze fest. I think we watched maybe a couple of innings and then left. But yes, there was someone, and, and I will point this out. We, there was some guy at uh, the celebrity softball game who was lustily booing JoJo Siwa. And I think, man, you really need to rethink your life choices here if this is what's giving you great pleasure. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Worst fan in baseball? That guy. That guy. It's a celebrity softball game i mean and by celebrity i will say we had a lot of what there were a lot of influencers too and so that that word celebrity gets thrown around quite uh yeah you're air quoting that too really easily right now. for sure so yeah i think they honestly yeah so so you know what I'll, I'll go with the world baseball classic because i think they've finally gotten that format down well i think the all-star game while it's fun i think they can make some tweaks in there well, congratulations to Shohei Otani, the world's greatest two-way player, who is the now the winner of the Bad Hops' best storyline and worst storyline. And Mike Trout. Well, I think Mike Trout didn't play enough this year, so yes, <laughs> he was kind of ancillary, wasn't he? When we come back, the biggest awards have yet to be given out. What will win? What will they be? We'll find out on Bad Hops, the Hoppies. <laughs> Coming up next on The Hoppies, the award for Crash of the Titans. But what is that award, Jackie? The Crash of the Titans. That is the big boys who tanked this year. And by big boys, I'm talking about the big franchises. I can talk about the other guy on the Mets that looks like Daniel Vogelbach. The guy who looks just like Daniel Vogelbach that confused me greatly. There you go. Seafood diet. Oh, that Josh Donaldson. He's so clever. Uh, he's a he's a real wit. He's a real wit. He's a real wit stillman. Oh yeah. That's a deep dive for anyone who wants to figure that one out. Well, yeah, I actually meant to say he's a real wit Merrifield. There you go. That that's what yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> but I had to go for the deeper dive. You did go for the deeper dive. Yeah, Crash of the Titans. No Yankees, no Red Sox, no no St. Louis Cardinals in like even coming close to making the playoffs this year. They were all pretty darn terrible teams. And honestly, I don't know if when they're going to be decent teams again, but all of you people who are complaining, who are constantly complaining about, oh, do we always have to see the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cardinals on, on Sunday Night Baseball, on the, the national broadcast? Nope, nope, you don't. No, you don't. Although you probably did because they still have big fan bases despite tanking. I only could watch some of the Yankees this year, only some, because for my mental health, all I had to 
go and pick some other teams that I was interested in what they were doing. Otherwise I just, I mean, I would have gone insane. See, I think I've finally broken you because I've always contended and you, you've accused me of being fickle before, but I, I always tell you always have a backup team. <laughs> that way you can get your heart broken twice in a season. Hello brewers. Hello Mariners. <laughs> Yeah, no, the thing with me is there are definitely teams that I like to watch that I enjoy watching. And uh, like, like I do, like, I like a lot of the players on the Padres. I do like a lot of the players on the Dodgers, but none of them will break my heart. If they, if they lose, I'm just like, all right, I can move on. That's, I can only stand one team that will absolutely crush me if they, if they just can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't have multiples can only be one. I feel for you because that one team of yours is pretty bad right now. The meanest thing I can say about the Yankees this year is that they're just meh. Yeah. Right. Like they're, they're, they're not abysmally bad, but there's also not like, I don't, I just don't see the spark of future delight um, yeah. igniting there either. You got Aaron judge. Garrett Cole uh, will probably win the Cy Young. So yeah. you have, you arguably, uh, and Aaron Judge, who had a, despite being injured, still had an amazing season. So you're wasting a Cy Young year from your from your ace because I, I have never seen a team that, I mean, talk about decimated by injuries and also yeah. just mishandling of injuries, what happened with Anthony Rizzo and his concussion. I don't really understand how uh, it takes you three months to realize that the reason why this guy isn't hitting more and everybody was saying, you know, it really correlated with him hitting his head into uh, Tatis Jr.'s uh, apparently very hard thigh or, or uh, side there for him to suddenly just be an awful, like an awful player. It doesn't happen like that. It's obvious yeah. that it was an injury. Yeah. And it's actually kind of scary because concussions are scary. But I'm digressing. But yeah, I mean, I think they were awful. I think the Red Sox are, I, I ha don't know as much about the Cardinals. So I'm going to be honest. I, I don't watch as many Cardinals games. But the Red Sox well, what, are. What kind, of, what kind of fan are you? Being a best fan of all, best fan of in all of baseball or all baseball or baseball, just baseball, not all of baseball, best fans of baseball. The world. The world. Best, best fans. Best ceiling of fans. Baseball everywhere. But yeah, the Red Sox are another team. I'm not quite sure what they're doing either. And, you know, you need a good villain. That's that's part of the problem. I mean, we've got the Astros still. They're they are a good villain. People don't like them, but you still need you need an, you need a couple of villains in there because you can't they can't all be feel good stories because you need someone to say, hey, we beat the villain. And if you don't have any villains, it's just makes the story not quite as uh, impactful. Cardinals, I think, is a rebuilding year. I grew up a Royals fan, so I guess I had to be an anti-Cardinals fan as a result, uh, even though the teams never saw each other until interleague started, except for the 85 World Series. The Cardinals have been in the conversation consistently. They're not always great, but they're all, mm -hmm. they've always been good, and this year they were not good. And, and I think they are. there is a youth movement there, uh, old man Adam Wainwright is uh, going on to his country music career now. Congratulations. Can't wait. Can't wait. Have fun without me yeah. there, Adam. That's uh, good for you. We have Nolan Arenado. We have Paul Goldschmidt. And then we have a bunch of kids coming in. And the kids did not get the job done this year. And they shouldn't be expected to. Uh, not everybody can pull off kind of a magic season like the Orioles did this year. So I think the Cardinals will be back. 
the Yankees, I don't know. I mean, the what, like, what are the prospects? Um, the Yankees are not going to be back next year because they have too many weird contracts, like John Carlos Stanton, who just can't play baseball anymore. And someone described, he can't, he can't field a position. There was a podcast I was listening to the, uh, Bronx pinstripes. One of the guys described him when he runs, it's like a statue that suddenly come to life. He's so stiff. He can't really move. And he does like, I don't understand how you could be built with uh, like, but the way he's built basically like an Adonis and he really can't do anything with those muscles. I've never seen anyone, an athlete that was that inflexible. It's kind of mind blowing, but they won't be back next year. I think that there are certain things they need to do within the next couple of years to to get themselves in order. They have Jason Dominguez, who's a, a great young player, the Martian. Uh, the other prospects, not quite sure yet what they've they've got there. That they've only played a little bit. Maybe uh, Austin Wells, the the catching prospect they have, probably looks like he he could uh, be a good addition to the team. But the problem is they've they just they've just got these ridiculous contracts and they haven't done anything to change internally. I, I don't know what they're doing with analytics. Cashman, I know people want Aaron Boone fired, but if you don't get rid of the GM, what's the point of firing the manager? Because we all know they're puppets right now. So I don't know how they get better. It's not going to be better next year. I don't think I'd be shocked maybe in a few more years, but I don't know. I don't know what they're working towards. Like I, it's very frustrating. And the Red Sox are another team like that. And honestly, for me, it's more fun when you have, you know, as a Yankee fan, when the Red Sox are also good, because otherwise, what's the point, really? Wow. <laughs> you, can't, I, you know, like, what's the point of like uh, when you when they're also a good team and you beat them when they're a bad team and you beat them? Who cares? It's just another uh, team. The Crash of the Titans. You got to pick one of, uh, of, of three stinky teams. Tell me your criteria. Do they tank the worst or they have the, the weakest future or all of the above? So, you know, the Yankees technically finished with a winning record. They were above 500. So, you know, I guess that's a success. The Red Sox, (laughs) I mean, they were touting. I mean, that's what they were. That's what they were. Oh, another winning season. And you were like, you were in fourth place and you didn't, you know, we knew you weren't making the playoffs. I mean, I think I'm biased probably. So, I mean, I'm going to say the Yankees, but. I mean, they could come back. Like they do this this thing where they suddenly come back, they rise from the dead, and then everyone's like, "Oh, I thought they were gone for good." Um, but I'm going to pick them anyway, I, even though uh, you know I'm going to pick them anyway, so that they can prove me wrong next year. Congratulations to the New York Yankees, the crashiest of the Titans. Okay, Jackie, we've established your team sucks. Our joint custody team, the Seattle Mariners, tripped at the finish line. They face-planted with Uh, two games left in the season. They did. They took themselves out of any number of winnable games the last week. but uh, That was painful. Their last week was really painful because they really had the opportunity in front of them. The baseball sucks. It does. It It both sucks and it's amazing. What is there instead of baseball that's more important Food! Yes! <laughs> Best food we ate this season. And this is a tough one. This is a category because I didn't yeah. eat bad food at any games. No, no, no. So uh, why don't we just ping pong back and forth all throughout my first nominee, then you can give me one and so on and so forth. 
I had a very legitimate bratwurst in Milwaukee, and I was very happy. I had the right amount of sausage and brown mustard, and uh, the bun was good. So I'm going to throw that in contention. I mean, I, I have to pick Moto Pizza that I had at T-Mobile Park at the Mariners games. They are a Filipino-inspired Detroit-style pizza place. And the the kist, that's the name of the, the slice of it, the kist, it is hot honey with pepperoni and sausage. It is a it is amazing. And they give you so much of it that it's like I, I can't finish the whole thing because they're like two big bricks. But I mean, for pizza to be that good in a ballpark, how, how could that be? That can't be right. We had some all-star food at the Futures game. The all-star menu was in effect. I had... In addition to my favorite Spam Masubi from Marination, which is a, I think they've been in the ballpark for two or three seasons now at this point. They also had a furikake uh, pretzel mix, which mm-hmm. I passed around. It was very delicious, nice and salty, a little bit of like teriyaki sweet mixed in there too. I thought that was, was very nice. A nice little touch. Thank and you I think you, you had some all-star ice cream. I did. Which one was it? It was made from a from one of the beers, uh, and that was very tasty. I can't remember. I can't uh, it remember. was a, from Salt and Straw, right? Salt, yes, yeah, from Salt and Straw, and it was made with also one of the local local beers. Uh, it was good. I mean, anything you get from Salt and Straw, even the vegan ice cream, which Ooh. I, I've only tried it with. Stay tuned for ice. season three. That's a flash forward her most the, <laughs> most vegan the, player. To our favorite episode, who is the vegan all-star? They had it had what, what was what they were describing as lug nuts in it, which were just basically candied nuts. And I had asked the guy, like, what are lug nuts? And he looked at me like I, I think I mentioned this on when we talked about it on another another episode. Like I had three heads, and I'm like, I'm how am I supposed to know what lug nuts are? I mean, you're putting are you putting like, you know, pieces of a car in my in my ice cream? But yes, they were candied nuts and they were quite good. I did have a bowl of weenies at Meiji Jingu Stadium in Tokyo, which was not a my bowl of weenies. A bowl of weenies. It uh the five or six different types of sausages all kind of just thrown in a wow. thing. Um, wow. But they're all they're all tasty in their own way, and I mean, you got to eat a hot dog at a game, right? Even if it is in Japan. So I'm just going to okay. throw that in there as a nominee. Okay. That you sounds, got sounds interesting. No, I was disappointed by the food at the um, the stadium uh, when I went to Petco when I was in, in San Diego. Uh, it was also very expensive. I had uh, I had what was like Mexican street corn, which was just okay, but I had very good beer. The beer, I, I had a craft beer that was amazing, and they had a, a huge selection of craft beers, so nice. that's all I can say about that. <laughs> well, I think the best beer I had was the Yabisu in Tokyo, um, okay. and uh, I think with the craft beer stand at Safeco or T-Mobile evaporating. I don't know that the beer situation is as good as it used to be. But that's not what we're talking about. No, we're not talking about beverages right now. We're just talking about food. So, all right, Mark, Um, you've, you've, you've eaten all the foods that, you know, I only had my one there. So you, you tell me. Best food that I've eaten this year, Mm -hmm. Moto Pizza. So freaking good. I almost went back to another game, even though I've sort of given up on the Mariners because I'm like, I'd just go eat the pizza. Yeah. Uh, And if if y'all think we're crazy, and there we did talk about this in an earlier episode, but it's a one-month wait to get the pizza at the proper store in West Seattle. So the best bet is to wait in line for 45 minutes to get your Detroit-style pizza, which was so good. 
Congratulations, yes. Moto Pizza. Compass on a pizza. I would, oh, God, please. Bump us to now. the front of your reservation line. That's Bad Hops, Mark and Jackie. <laughs> table for two. That's right. And plus ones also. Sure, why not? Sure, you know, but if you can only fit two of us in, we're, we're cool with that, too. If the on-field product sucks for the Yankees and for mm-hmm. the Mariners and for the Brewers and, uh, and I don't know, anybody else that I loved... You got to entertain yourself somehow. So let's. That is true. Let's get a little hairy here. And I'm not talking about Harry Callis. I'm not talking about Harry Carey. I'm just talking about hair. Oh, yeah. Long and beautiful hair. <laughs> let's start with best beard. I didn't really love what I saw out there. I don't really like beards in general. And after I did some looking around, I really I like beards even less. So my nominee is for Brandon Marsh from the Philadelphia Phillies, um, who looks a little too close to the QAnon shaman. He kind of has a beard that blends in with his mullet, so I do respect that that is like that, but I also don't want to look at it. So anyway, Brandon Marsh, best beard? I I have Brandon Marsh as well because he just goes for it. Like, he really has embraced it, and it's like, it's big and it's you know it works with his whole aesthetic by the way i saw a story where he talked about his hair because his hair looks like it's stringy and greasy right apparently he keeps it wet he likes it wet it makes him feel good when it's wet he's like no i am i shower i i shampoo everything's taken care of but he wears his hair wet and now i guess so mark you probably haven't had hair as long as brandon marsh has and i have had hair that long at certain points in my life and and i i think just i'm making faces at this like constantly wet hair like i can cut I got caught in the rain at lunchtime today, and I was like, that's enough wet hair for me. It's been wet twice. Shower plus rain. Ugh. No, I'm like, I'm just like, his pillows just must smell like mold. I mean, and I, like, when your hair is long and wet, then it just, like, kind of, like, it sticks to, like, it really, like, sticks to the back of your neck and your shoulders get wet. Like, the, it, I don't understand it. I mean, but he said that's how he's comfortable. He's comfortable with his hair being wet. But anyway, back to his beard. Hey, he's got this big, like, you know, caveman beard. It's it's not as unkempt as I as some other beards that have been out there uh, throughout various various seasons. So I think he's our guy. I think he is he is the beard right now. Congratulations, I guess. I guess, yeah. But you know, scissors are your friend, also. Anyway, Brandon true. Marsh, best beard in baseball. Now, this one I think is a little bit better. Best mustache. Who do you have in mustache land? I mean, this is hard because there are a lot of mustaches now. And like, I feel like every time I see another player that I I'm like, Oh, I like his mustache. I had a hard time just kind of tracking down some of the players that I liked uh, with the interesting mustaches, but I am going to give it to my old school fave. I mean, he's not really old school, but he's kind of one of the first to start in on the trend. And that's Dylan Cease from the white Sox because his is a porn stash. That is a true porn stash. I think if you're going that route, I do want to nominate Andrew Chafin from the Brewers, who is sort of channeling his best Rod Beck, kind of a a chunky guy with wild hair and a big old droopy stash. I like the droopy stash. But my main guy, who I like any number of reasons, so I just want to throw him in as a great player, but also a great mustache, Spencer Strider 
Mm, that's a good one. That is a good one. And that, that was that he was also on my list. I think, and I'm just going to throw out here uh, as a nominating speech from the great state of Georgia, Spencer Strider of the Atlanta Braves, because his mustache is a porn stash and a cop stash and a supervillain stash and also kind of a Chad bro, but not in a like icky sort of way. He just... He looks, he's got like a devilish look. He he's actually he's kind of a scamp and an imp, as well as a great pitcher. So I I, I don't know. This is where I'm going to stick up for Spencer Strider. Are I'm you, staying with Dylan. You, uh, Dylan Cease is my pick. Sorry. Okay. I think we can give out two awards. I okay. think this is this is this is the award that we were most excited about, besides best food. <laughs> besides best food, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations, Spencer Strider and Dylan C. So actually, this is like the Cy Young. You got an NL guy, you got an AL guy. Exactly. And now, Mark, you know how we love to talk about jewelry. We have a whole episode that we did about what, it. Was there a whole was episode there? on that? Was that season one of Bad Hops? I don't know. Best bling. What you got, Mark? Who is your, your best bling? I got to give it to my boy Jazzy C, Jazz Chisholm, um, who I think... If we were doing best hair, might he might also might. Um, go straight to that. But how does one describe Jazz Chisholm? He is not over the top, but he is flashy, right? He there's he something. I, I think it's like to me, it's like Spencer Strider's mustache. It's like a lot of everything, but not necessarily too much of anything. Uh, it, it's very well balanced. I mean, he is definitely he's showing it off but he looks he, he looks very stylish in the process cuz i think some of these other guys ends up being a little like i don't know a little too much so i'm going to go with jazz jism what do you got? i think that that's i think that's a solid one and i will say that jazz wear is more interesting uh it's not just his number it's not just a cross he definitely so during the playoffs he wore a diamond studded spaceship chain he said, I just feel like I'm from outer space. Like I can do it all. That's why I like my spaceship. I'm an alien. And that's, I mean, how can you not like this guy? Right. I almost feel like I should then say I'm not voting for jazz Chisholm and then think about what you just said and then circle back and be like, no, I'm voting for him twice now. Okay. Not enough baseball players talk crazy like that. That's yep, like who, who else in major league baseball is going to say, Oh yeah, I feel like I'm from outer space. It's like, Oh, go on. I'm listening. Please, For sure. please absolutely do tell me more because I'm, I'm all about this. But as much as I love jazz and you know, I do love jazz chism. I'm going to nominate Yankee utility player Oswaldo Cabrera because <laughs> he wore his late grandmother Anna's tooth on a necklace. He wore a wow. tooth necklace. Okay. So according to Cabrera, his mother gave him the tooth when she visited him in New York uh, sometime late in the summer. And he said, she gave it to me as a good luck charm. She said, use this. This is so beautiful. And I do everything for my mom. I know that made my mom so happy. After the first game, I've been using this for two weeks. And after the first game, I called my mom and she was almost crying. I'm so proud you're using this. I'm so happy. Who knew that a dead relative's tooth on, like, on a gold necklace could make 
people so happy. It's unique. You don't see a lot of it. I mean, how many people do you know where somebody else's tooth around their neck? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Wasn't that Turk Wendell? I'm sorry, but that those were animals. A human tooth, a human tooth around your neck from a dead relative. Bizarre. But you know what? He's also their Venezuelan. I don't know what the, you know, I don't want to diss anybody's customs or what's good luck. I'm, I'm going with that because I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't know. We let's we got to create an award for jazz. I'll give you Oswaldo Cabrera for best playing, but how about an all that award for jazz? We could do that. Okay. We could still give jazz best bling, and we could give Oswaldo most unique bling. Although now it sounds like it might be tied for uh, most periodontic <laughs> between Oswaldo Cabrera and A Rod. <laughs> oh my god. He'll tell you about gingivitis. He's going to talk to you yeah, in this very <laughs> awkward way. Folks, and always remember to brush and floss your pets. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's always interesting to see what athletes do when they retire, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> or how broke multimillionaires seem to be. Yeah. You know, I guess you take the money when you can get it, and it's not always going to be for MLB The Show. Although Jazz Chisholm cover star of MLB The Show this year. Once again, yeah. all that, Jazz Chisholm. Jazz Chisholm, he is all that. Well, when we come back from our break, we are going to give out the biggest awards of the night. So stay tuned for the Hoppies. All right, we are back. We are giving out our final Hoppies of the evening. Mark, this is an interesting one. This was a, speaking of a big story, that's not a particularly good story. This worst, is the worst storyline, possibly most villainous player. Exactly. Most, most villainous person. Not a good look. And let me tell you, there were a lot of, there were several not a good looks this year, but this one, this one, this is the long wander off a short pier. And that award goes to Wander Franco, the former. MLP player who is should never play baseball again. If that's the worst thing that happens to him, he is lucky. You know what? I don't even feel like going into it. Nope. If the allegations against him are true, he should be in jail for a long time. So he might wish he was taking that long wander off a short pier. So good riddance, Wander Franco. Good riddance indeed. Something I was complaining about earlier in the season was the new rules. We mentioned the new to the in 23 episode. You can go back and, and see if all of our moping and whining, well, my moping and whining, bore fruit or not. But I do. I want to give an award to the biggest bases in Major League Baseball. You know, they increased the size of the bases this year. And the winner of the biggest Did they bases mark? Did they mark? Because you were very salty about that. And then I saw them and I was like, what that big? <laughs> oh, you men thinking things are bigger than they actually are. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I will say I did notice because I went to a, a Mariners game with you in early April. And then I went to a, a Swallows game in Tokyo two weeks later. And I saw the big bases. And then I saw normal size bases in Tokyo. And I was like, okay, I can I can tell the difference. and And now I can't. But I'm happy to give the award for biggest bases to all of the bases. And all, all of your Aww. bases belong oh, to Oh, that's us so now. sweet. That's so sweet. 
But I think more interestingly, you talked about the pitch clock as being part of your worst storyline nominee. Uh, I was curious what happened. So the games were faster this year, much more swift than I've ever seen. I don't see. I said swift. You said swift. It's hard to, you need to calm down. Sorry. Yeah, I do need You're to being calm too down. loud. I'm going to shake it off. All right. What was the shortest game of the, the season? And, and what was the longest game of the season? I was surprised they actually were two days apart in September, but the Pirates beat the Nationals on September 14th. That game was one hour and 50 minutes. Crazy. Now, the Cubs played the Diamondbacks, and that was a playoff contention game on September 16th. That was a 13-inning game, but that lasted four hours and 22 minutes, which is shorter than most regular Yankees-Red Sox games in the olden days, right? For sure. For sure. How, How are you feeling about the length of games? I like that the games are shorter. I think they're crisper because sometimes, you know, the game drag on and nothing is literally nothing is happening. Right. I think it's great. I think it makes it easier to actually physically go to games. I know some people, you know, with the lines are are concerned about waiting on lines. They're doing a lot more of those kind of like you grab and go, you go and you swipe your credit card and you grab food. I've noticed a lot more vendors in the stands this year, which is great, which is how it should be. It's much more fun that way. Um, But I've enjoyed it. I think uh, there is a certain cat and mouse thing that I used to enjoy with the pitcher and the hitter. But it just got out of hand. It was just, it's just too much. And there's no reason for it. It's not bringing anything to the game. I love that the pitchcock brings, uh, create also creates the fact that, that there are more steals. So people are running, players are running a lot more. Stolen base is so much fun. I mean, you and I grew up in the era of, you know, Ricky Henderson, Lou Brock, all these, uh, all these guys who were fast, speedy. Like once they got on base, they just, mess with the timing of the pitcher because you knew they were going to steal. I really like the shorter games. In theory, I agree with you. I found myself a little discombobulated uh, at the games we went to because they were very fast and I felt like I didn't hit my stride personally. I I think I've got another season of adjustments. I, I, I will say I waited in line for at least 45 minutes for the Moto Pizza and it was worth it, but I missed three innings of a Orioles game against the Mariners. And I was wanting to see them. And so I, I felt like I didn't really get a whole game. In well, I, t- as a result. I told, I told you how to manage the Moto pizza line. You had to get there earlier, Mark. Like I'd, I'd already eaten my Moto pizza by the time Mark got to the ballpark, but that's I, me. That is the New Yorker in me. I need to beat the line. I think I had a three hour and 45 minute game ahead of me. And I needed to remember that it was going to be closer to two and a half. So Next time I will go earlier. I think probably my adjustment will be I will get to the ballpark an hour early if I want to spend four hours at the ballpark, which sometimes I do. It's sometimes the best place in the world to be. If I get to a seven o'clock game at seven o'clock, I'm going to be home at 10. And that's that's lovely unless you you really want like a big emotional roller coaster, which sometimes you do. So, yeah, I think overall that experiment. Um, well, it's not an experiment, is it? I think it's the law. It <laughs> is the law. Have it's the law now. Short of games. We have one final award, and this is kind of a free-for-all. I don't think we're going to pick one. Okay. Because this is the more please award. This is what player could we not get enough of? I wrote, like, I don't know, at least, like, five or six people 
which is good. I actually hope that you can come up with like a dozen people of your own, uh, whoever's listening, because that means that there's a future for the game. Whether the bases are too big or whether the games are, are just the right length or things like that, if you're excited about seeing somebody, then you've got a future in baseball. So let's just throw out people that you love and tell us why. Who who do you got on that list? I have Ronald Acuna Jr., the first forty seventy guy, um, because oh, he yeah. is so much, he's so much fun to watch. He, he's I mean I don't think I really need to explain why I picked him. He's the he is the future and the now of the game. And I really hope the I don't know how deep the Braves playoff run is going to be. It, it, they're looking like they're having some struggles, which is. Uh, Kind of a shame, although they had a wild end uh, to that 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 game last night. That was actually kind of fun. That's what you expect from playoff baseball. But yeah, Ronald Acuna Jr. I hope we're going to see a lot more of him, and he's going to maybe you know he's he should be one of the faces of the game right now. I do love me some Acuna. I will say uh, on the American League side, not as good, but a lot of that same scrappy talent. Bobby Witt Jr. Mm-hmm. is a home run hitter and a base dealer. I think he's a 30-50 guy, which mm-hmm. is still pretty amazing, but this season's not a, not a huge deal compared to Acuna. Um, he does remind me of the the bad kid from the Fisher Price <laughs> little people. He's okay. kind of got that weird like little like like mean smirk, but yeah, uh, yeah. It, but it but it works. So I would pick Acuna over Bobby Witt, but why not both? Why not both? Jazz Chisholm has to be in this discussion as well, because I think he is also, he he is so much fun. Uh, and I really want the Marlins to be, continue to be more relevant for a variety of reasons. But part of it is just to be able to watch him play. I mean, he, that was another default team I would watch just so I could uh, watch some of that young talent, including him. Yeah. Well, and fish-wise, I, I will put Luis Arias on there. He was flirting with 400 Early in the season, we know that it's unsustainable, but you know what? I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to keep checking because what if we hadn't had somebody that close to 400 by midseason for ages? I mean, probably not since George Brett and Rod Carew back in like 1980, something like yeah, that. It's been a long time. He is not a flashy player. He gets the job done. So he's sort of like a less flashy Ichiro. Just, mm-hmm. I just he's going to get on base, and then you got the right guys behind him. He will then score, and then your team will go to the playoffs. Congratulations, Miami Marlins. <laughs> um, I think we have another guy we mentioned, Corbin Carroll. He certainly lived up to the hype. He is a, da- I mean, he's already a dangerous hitter, and it, and he, you know, he's probably going to be the Roy. <laughs> yep. Uh, in the National League, I thought uh, he was a lot of fun to watch too. Um, so yeah, he's a, another future of the game right there. And you know, it's just fun to see the new players come up and live up to the hype and play not just well, but with a lot of joy. And I think all the players we've we've discussed play with a lot of joy. And I know that sounds like platitudes, platitudes, whatever, but you know, at the end of the day, it is still entertainment. And so I want to see that these guys are having fun. Absolutely. Well, I see your Corbin and I raised you a Corbin because I finally got to see Corbin Burns pitch this year (laughs) and he's great. And I did want to shout out Corbin Burns also pitched a no hitter this season, except he didn't. Okay. Uh, because he and Devin Williams and Abner Uribe pitched a 10-inning no-hitter for Milwaukee against the Yankees. 
but they lost because it was an 11 inning game. But I know. Like, that was like talk about heartbreak, but Bernsey is great. And he may not even be the best pitcher on the Brewers because I think Brandon Woodruff, now that he came back, was also looking great. But yeah, I love an underrated ace. I think the Brewers are going to lose him, but he is going to be some other team's gain. And I'm so yeah, maybe the Diamondbacks should sign him and they can have the all Corbin team. Why not? And just because I haven't mentioned uh, any American League players and uh, I, I, you know, tended tended to skew heavy National League for whatever reason, uh, Adley Rushman from the Orioles. I'm sad that my team will have to be my very mediocre team right now is going to have to face uh, a team with Adley Rushman on it. Uh, it's fun to see the uh, catching prospects come to fruition. Uh, we had a, a period of time uh, not that long ago where we had some really amazing uh, catchers in the game. And I think he is uh, also a future face of what catchers will be. And he was on, he was on my fantasy team. He got me a lot of points this year. So thank you, Adley. Nice. Speaking of kids and speaking of fantasy points for me, Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McLean for the Cincinnati Reds, a team mm. that you should not sleep on next year because no. I think they are putting it together and it is a youth movement, uh, but in all of the best possible ways, these kids are going out there and they're tearing stuff up and I, I love it. So we need more of that in baseball. Let's get some more funky kids out there. For sure. And Jonathan India as well. Yes. He's, a, he's another... He's another fun guy. Not quite, I mean, young, youngish. I think he's like 26, but yeah, I have to get out to Cincinnati. I've got to get out to the great American ballpark. I need to visit my niece lives in Ohio and uh, trying to plan a trip out there next year so that I can see her. Maybe, uh, maybe she'll come to a ball game with me. Maybe not. Uh, and uh, that would be great fun. Go for the uh, Cincinnati zoo giveaway of that, of the 2024 oh, season. That because was they, had the, they had the cute one this year. So she would, she would like that. And no, she's not like five. She's in her thirties, <laughs> but she would, I think she would like that. Yeah, too. But you, but you would like that. And you're not, in. Your I 30s. would. And I, I wish I was in my thirties. I am not in my thirties, but yeah, I would really enjoy that. So yeah, I, I, that's, I need to get out there and next year, Mark Milwaukee, fingers crossed. Let's do it. I'm, I'm ready for another bratwurst. Awesome. Or two or three. A parking lot brought and a stadium brought. How about that? All right. I'm up for, for any brought you got. <laughs> oh, see what I did there. Yeah, I do. Well, we'll get a pizza in Seattle first, and then uh, we'll we'll fly to Milwaukee full, and then we'll do it all over again. We'll have to walk it off. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and say that the winner of the Hoppies More Please Award is everyone. The fans are the winners when you have this many good players that still have many, many years ahead of them. So right. congratulations to all of you. We all win. Everyone's a winner. Well, when we come back, an apology from the podcast host that's willing to eat crow. Stay tuned. Mark, are, are you going to issue an apology? Sorry, my mouth is full of crow. I said I was going to eat crow. Oh, I, I, I've mentioned, sorry. I alluded to this earlier. I made fun of the Diamondbacks a lot this season. And I said that they yeah. didn't, weren't going to show up, that they didn't actually have an on-field product, um, that everybody had forgotten about them. I don't know why I was being so mean to them uh, when I should have been talking about the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I honestly, like they, I, I forgot about them. When I, we, I was doing my research, but the Colorado Rockies didn't even register in my head this year. That's yeah. it. I mean, Charlie Blackman's beard from 2018 was a mm, brief candidate for best beard, but it's candidate. not, it's not even that good anymore. But yeah, the Diamondbacks, you guys surprised me. And I love being surprised. I lo- actually love being wrong about baseball because that means that there's a team that's firing on all cylinders and maybe our the sum is way, way, way better than the individual parts. And I feel like that's where we are at with the Diamondbacks right now, postseason or not. So my apologies to the Diamondbacks. Congratulations, Snakes, El Serpientes. You're getting it done. That's my sincerest apology to the people of Arizona. Nicely done. Also, I want to apologize because we did mention Oscar Gamble and Tony LaRusa in the intro, but we did not have time to talk about Tommy Grammley, Emmy Annual Classe, Obi Lackey, Buddy Booker, Britt Burns, Hugo Klarner, Jimmy Newberry, Ray Nobel, and Edgar Martinez. Wow. As our inspiration for terrible wow. baseball names contorted into awards. With that, I'm ready to go to the after party. What about you? I am. Let's crack open some champagne and let loose. Where do you go in Tampa after 9 p.m.? I let's don't to, know. Let's go to Steinbrenner's house. <laughs> That's right. Or Jeter's house, actually. But oh, oh. he's got all those kids now. It's probably not fun anymore. Maybe we can just go to A-Rod's dentist. It's, it's all going to come back to teeth. <laughs> that's that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be a banger of a party. So we'll we will see you there. All right, the fans are heading home. The grounds crew is on the field, and we will see you next time at the ballpark. That's our pal Ron Lewis on the stadium organ, and he may not get a Grammy one, but one day we will give him a hoppy. An EGOT for Ron. An EGOT for Ron. I'm Jackie McCucci. And I'm Mark Butler. And this was Bad Hops. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or account of this podcast without the express written consent of Bad Hops is prohibited unless you like us, review us, or subscribe to Bad Hops. Find us at at Bad Hops on Insta and everywhere else. Good night, everyone. Jackie, it was just an honor to be nominated. It always is.